All right, we're going to be in Colossians 4 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to get up and grab one in the back at the table. Um, You can share a Bible with the person you're sitting next to or pull out your phone. Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Um, We're going to be, I think, finishing up our series today. It might be next Sunday. We'll see how today goes. Um, So we've been in a series the past um, few weeks where where we said, hey, we really want to learn from the things that God was trying to teach us through the pandemic. And so that we sent out a survey and asked you, hey, where are the areas that you were strong this past year? And then where were areas that you weren't so strong? And, and so we've been taking the past five or six weeks to really speak into the areas that we weren't so strong. And we're not doing this to make us feel bad. We're not doing this because, you know, we're doing it because we, we, we want to capitalize. We want to learn from the things that God's trying to teach us. And so today um, we're going to be talking about um, what it looks like to, to engage like with our faith with other people. And, you know, so last week, if you were with us, we, we talked about what it looked like to, to, be a, to be in the middle of a culture that is kind of at odds and, and against the Lord. And the question that came up is, man, how do we be a follower of Jesus in the midst of the culture that we're living in? And, and today's going to continue to be a, a continuation of that, of that series, but I want to talk about it from a, little different, from a little different lens. And so I love Colossians 4. I'm just going to read our text to us, um, verses 2 through 6, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump in. This is what the word of the Lord Colossians chapter four, verse two, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so today, I want us to talk about what it looks like to make the most of the opportunities that God gives to us. You know, I remember when I was in high school, um, coming this spring semester, and I knew that I was going to college, and I knew that college was going to be expensive, and I needed to save money, so I quit baseball my senior year um, to work this job. And so my friends were working at this pizza shop called Pizza Pro. And uh, in Murray, Kentucky, where I'm from. And, and they said, hey, you should come work here. And so I, I got this job delivering pizza. And, and I love that job. It was so much fun, you know, getting to, they, had, they both had crotch rockets, getting to ride crotch rockets around the small town late at night was a blast. Getting to, to, to be in this kind of environment where you're, you're working intimately with other people, getting to work in the food industry. If you've never done it before, man, it is, you just learn a lot about people if you've never done it. And some good things and some bad things. But, but as I was thinking about my, my time delivering pieces at Pizza Pro, one that the, the, these things came up that, that you quickly learned who were the good tippers and who weren't. Preach. Preach. That's right, AT. You knew that. You worked in food service. And so, you know, people would come in and, and you would see their name on the side of the pizza box. You'd see their address and you were like fighting the other delivery drivers to, to get that because you knew you were about to get like a $10 tip or $20 tip and you would fight for it. And then there were others that you knew like pizza was going to be $8. And, you know, they were going to give you like $8 and a quarter. And it's like, come on, like, you're better than that. Like, go pick up your pizza if you can't tip it. Like, and, and, and so we would, we would fight and, 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 and we realized that, that man, every time a, an opportunity came up to, to get a good tip, we would capitalize on it. Like, we'd never see someone's name that we knew tip and just like, I'm just going to pass on that one. And, and, and what I realized is that whenever there's something that presents itself in our life that will better us or that we think is going to, to benefit us, we take advantage of those opportunities, right? You get invited to go on a vacation for free and you're not like, nah, no thanks. It's like, absolutely. When, when we're presented with an opportunity to, to bless us, we, we take those. And this morning, I wanna talk about what it looks like to, to step into these moments that God opens up for us 
that do benefit and bless us, but beyond us, they bless the people we're interacting with. So I love kind of three movements I want us to, to talk through this morning. Colossians chapter four, the first thing that we see in this text about what it looks like to, to engage people around us for the sake of, of Jesus is that the first thing that we understand is important is a deep and a real relationship with Jesus. A deep and real relationship with Jesus. So Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now think about this. When, when take, take the word devote out of, of church, okay? Think about all the other aspects of your life. I mean, if, if you want to be good at something, you want to be good at your job, and you want to be a good spouse, you want to be a good parent, you want to be good at whatever it is that you're doing, isn't it true that it just, it takes your devotion? It takes you being disciplined, it takes you persevering, it takes you giving yourself to that thing, to learning and understanding and being open to, to correction. And, and, and it just, it demands that you give your time and your energy and sacrifice. You know, Logan's training for a marathon and it demands him to be devoted to it. Like if, if you're gonna run that race, you're not just gonna show up 26 miles having not trained. It demands that you sacrifice for it. And Paul says, be devoted to prayer. And I love this because what he's helping us understand is that in order for us to have a vital relationship with Jesus, it calls for devotion. And I don't know if you felt this, but I get into life sometime into moments in life and, and I just go, man, it shouldn't be this hard. You know, it shouldn't be this hard to figure out how to leak a, fix a, a leaky pipe or it shouldn't be this hard to, to whatever it is. And, and I'm going, man, with our relationship with the Lord, there are so many things working against it. You have the enemy, you have the culture, you have time, you have our own flesh, you have all these things. And Paul says, be devoted. And when he talks about being devoted to prayer, you know, prayer is ultimately all about our relationship with the Lord. It's communication. And, and some of you, because you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, man, when I say prayer is ultimately about your relationship with the Lord, you come alive because you, you know what God's done in your prayer life. You know the times that, that, that you've prayed and God's answered. And you've seen the power of prayer. You've seen the, the difference that it makes when, when you pray into things and you've seen God move. You've seen the way that God strengthens your heart and draws near to you in prayer. And, and you look at this and you go, of course, devote yourself to prayer. But I know that there are probably also others of us. And the reality is that so many of us, we're looking for a substitute for a, a genuine, real relationship with Jesus. That, that too many Christians, man, they, they call themselves Christians. And, and they think that, that you can kind of curtail this, that there's a substitute for it. Instead of having a deep, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, we go, yeah, that's, that sounds hard or, or whatever. We're going to talk about that in a minute. What else can I do? What's the substitute for it? And so you might not say it that clearly or think about it, but, but we go, man, if I just give generously or if I just show up to a house church, if I just show up on Sunday morning or if I just serve the poor, or if I just am a good moral person, and don't get me wrong, I actually believe that all of those ingredients are super important to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That if you take one of those things out, that you're actually missing part of what the full life of following Jesus. But what I realize is that it is so easy to, to try to substitute a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, and we try to substitute it for these other things, doing something for Jesus. You know, when Court is cooking, and I can cook too, don't judge me, I can grill and make waffles, but you, if you're coming to our house, you want her cooking, like, that's just a fact. You know, there are these times where, where she won't have a, an ingredient, and she'll substitute it, right? 
Have you ever had a meal, though, where you left out a key ingredient? It's never happened in our home, but like maybe it has in your home. Like, it's way different. Like, you can't even eat it. It's not, it doesn't taste good. It's something's off about it. And, and, and I was just thinking about, man, our, our relationship with Jesus is central to everything. Like, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is everything. And, and it's not that, you, that, that, that there's a bigger picture here, that there's a bigger part that the community plays, but I want you to understand the centrality of how important it is to be a part of a body of believers where you actually know Jesus intimately. You know, in biological terms, there are, are lots of ways that, that you can live with a handicap. I mean, you can live without eyesight, and you can live without hair, and you can live without fingers, and you can live without the ability, but, but you can't live without your heart. Man, the moment the heart stops, the moment everything stops. You know, it's, it's the reason, Court and I had to take CPR classes to be foster parents, and it's the reason that when, whenever someone goes unconscious, what's the, what's the thing that you're giving attention to? You're giving attention to the lungs, but what are you really giving attention to? The heart. Because it, you understand that, that everything flows from the heart. And, 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 and the, the heart in, in Christianity is your relationship with Jesus. Is this understanding that, that you know God. That you walk with God. That, that you love God. That, and, and you can't curtail this. There's no substitute for this. That it is the foundation. It is everything. That you walk with Jesus. That you know Jesus. And some of you, maybe right now you're feeling bad. And if you're feeling bad, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm trying to make you to do. What, what, what I want to encourage you to is to really kind of flesh that out a little bit. If, if you don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus, ask yourself why. I mean, are, are you scared of him? Are you mad at him? Man, so many of us, something happens in our lives. Something happens in our, in our home. Something happens at work in it's done by a Christian, and it hurts us. It wounds us, and, and we take that out on Jesus. And we cut off the, the lifeline with Jesus because we're mad at somebody else, or maybe we don't feel like God came through for us. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, are you scared of him? Are you mad at him? Are you, are you being selfish? I hate being asked that question. Are you stubborn? Are you unwilling to try? You know, we all have different reasons, and, and I don't want to pretend like all of us, it's like my, my, I don't want to assume anything, okay? I know that some of you are walking with Jesus, but others of you are not. You come to church, and, and you're doing all the good things, but there's more for you. You're, 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 the, the, the heart of your life is not beating the way that God intended for you to live. I go, man, if what the scriptures reveal about God is true, and, and I just stake my life on it. Man, there is a God who loves you dearly. I love what he writes, what Paul writes in Romans 3, and he's quoting different Old Testament passages of Scripture, and he's quoting God. He's quoting what God says. And this is what God says about humanity. And this is, these are not good things. This is what he says. He says, there's nobody living right, not even one. This is the message translation. There's nobody living right, not even one. Nobody who knows the score. Nobody who's alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. No one's living right. I can't find a single one. Their throats are gaping graves. Their tongues are slick as mudslides. Every word they speak is tinged with poison. They open their mouths and pollute the air. 
They race for the honor of sinner of the year. They litter the land with heartbreak and ruin. They don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. And this is what God says about all of us. It's like, whoa, that's a tough diagnosis. And yet, it's like he says all these things. But you know God's response to us in all these things? He doesn't look at us and go, man, you're, 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 you're doing your own thing. You're going your own way. And, and, and he doesn't look at us and say, who cares? Get out of my life. I'm going to destroy you. No, his response was, I'm going to send my son for you. That Christ was sent. And that that the, the punishment that, that our sin and our rebellion deserves. I mean, you think about this. When, 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 when you see this, the cries of injustice rising up in our culture, when things that are done that we see and we go, man, that's not right. And we go, it's not okay for those things to just be glossed over or looked over. We, we see things in our world that are off and we go, man, we want justice. And yet when it comes to God, we don't want justice. We want God to, to, to have pity and to be compassionate and he is, but he can be those things because of Christ. Because on Christ, on the, on the cross of Jesus, the, the punishment and the wrath for all of our sins was fully laid on Jesus. And when, and when we understand that, that, that God's not just this God who goes, hey, do whatever you want. It's all cool. That's not God. God looks at us and sin separates us from him. And it breaks his heart. And it moves us away from him. And God doesn't just go, it's okay. Do whatever you want. No, God goes, there must be punishment because I'm holy and you're not. And he lays all of our sin on Jesus in all the wrath. And when we understand that, our, we get our hearts back. We go, oh my goodness, you're right, God. That, that we understand that because of Christ, that, that when, when he returns, it's not gonna be a moment of, pe- of fear and panic for those of us who are followers of Jesus. It's gonna be a moment that Second Thessalonians says, it'll be a moment that we marvel at Jesus that we marvel at the one who, who died for us, who saved us, who looked at us and said, I wasn't willing to give you over to destruction. And you see, when, when, when we understand that this is who God is, that this is what he says about humanity, this is what God has done for us, it makes us go, man, I wanna know this God. And you can know this God. You're made to know this God. And some of you, for whatever reason, you go, man, that's, that's just for like super spiritual people. No, it's not. Like read the Bible. God shows up to all kinds of people. He meets you where you are because he knows that the thing that you need more than anything is his voice and his guidance and his love that, that to live with anything else, you are living as a handicap. You are made to fully live. And Court and I, we, we, tell this often. We tell this to people all the time. We're hanging out with Skylar and Alicia this week. Man, sign up for freedom prayer. If, you, if you've never done freedom prayer, just go put yourself in this place. What it is, it's a, it's a prayer ministry that our church offers. And it, two or three other people from our church family will get with you, and it's private, and, there's, and there, it's, it's a confidential space, and it's this place where, where you go in there, and you just you, you, you let these people lead you through a time of prayer, a time of deep connection with the Lord where God speaks, and he forgives, and he draws near to you, and he encourages you. And I'm telling you, the enemy will do everything he can to make us fearful of God, to be scared of God, to not want to live, because he knows that if you will only create space for God to speak, you will come alive. And he doesn't want you to come alive. Right, Ronnie? What did God say to you in freedom prayer several years ago? Wait. He told you to wait. 
And what'd you do when he said that? You cried like a baby. (laughs) Because God speaks and he knows the things that we need to hear. And I'm telling you, you are made for personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And do not settle for just going to church. Do not settle for just being a nice person. Do not just, do not settle for serving on Tuesday night at Bus Stop Strong. You're made to know Jesus. I think I made my point there. All right. Deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. Number two, the thing that has to be found in us if, if we're going to make an impact on the people around us is that there has to be a desire to be used by God in the lives of other people. That there has to be a desire to be used by God for the benefit of other people. And so you see this in verse three. You know, Paul writes this. He says, pray for us too. So Colossians is a letter Okay, Paul's writing this letter. He's sitting in Rome. If you read Acts chapter 27 and 28, Paul's under house arrest in Rome. That's where he's writing the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians. So he's, he's sitting under house arrest. He writes this letter. And, he, and he, this is what he says to him. He says, pray for us too. And I love that. This, this leader, this, this influential man of God, he says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Pray that God will open a door so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's literally in chains and handcuffs because of Jesus. He says, pray that I will proclaim it clearly as I should. And so I love this, that what you see in this is here's this guy who is actively looking and wanting opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. He's eager for it. He's, he, he's giddy about it. It's a thing that he is asking these friends to pray for him about. And, and I'm just telling you, I was challenged by these verses this week, convicted by the Spirit. Here is Paul who's asking for these opportunities and how often I'm trying to avoid these opportunities. You're like, wait, aren't you a pastor? Aren't you supposed to be looking for opportunities? Yeah, I'm just being honest with you. And these, these moments where, where I'll be around someone and I'll, and I'll feel the nudge of the Spirit. Hey, ask if you could pray for them. Or, or ask them about how, how they're doing. Or, or, or talk, tell them about who you are. Tell them about what you found in Jesus. And I have these moments. If you're a follower of Jesus, you, you, you understand these, 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 these words from the Spirit and how often my response is like, I just don't want to. You know, just this past week, the, the DCS workers were in our home. Our foster daughter was leaving and, and the DC workers were there. And I just, and I felt the Lord just going, engage them in conversation in my own house. And I'm like, but what if they think I'm weird? What if they don't? And, and I just passed the opportunity. And so I'm not coming here going, hey, I've got this figured out. You guys need to start doing everything I'm doing. What I'm saying is that I've gotten comfortable to seeing the doors of the Lord's opening and being like, you know what, I'm good. Or you think about this, maybe um, this will connect with you if, if you're a follower of Jesus, that way you come on into vacation or the way that you come into a weekend and maybe you don't think like this, but I have this tendency to be like, God, I've just been working for you. Oh, I just want to take, I need to take care of me. So, you know, I'm going to avoid conversation or I'm going to avoid people. I'm just going to kind of turn that knob off in my life so that I can take care of me. And, and I'm not saying you don't need to take care of you, Okay. But what I'm trying to point out is this, this contrast in what, what Paul had and what I have. He's, he's asking for an open door. He's hoping for an open door. And I just, I, I keep wondering, I'm going, man, 
Paul knew. He knew Christ. Like he, he knew that his life was going this way and it was down a bad path. And Christ came and interrupted that and got him going the other way. Like he knew the mercy of Jesus. And he knew the realness of Jesus and he knew the compassion of Jesus. And, and for him to be like, you know what, I'm on vacation. It's like I'm depriving people of, of the, the one that means most to me. Colossians 1 verse 27, he says that uh, the, the glorious riches, and he's describing the mystery, which is Christ in you. You see, Paul knew that, that part of the beauty of, of, of following Jesus wasn't just knowing Jesus, but having Christ in us. That, 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 that Christ would be with us to, to comfort us and to encourage us and to spur us on and to help us and to give us the ability to have self-control that Christ was with us. He knew that when you stepped into the light where Jesus was, when, when you opened your life and your mind up to there being a God who is bigger than you, who loves you, who's not out to destroy you, who's actually out to save you, he knew that everything else in your life came alive. And, and one of the tricks the enemy will play on us, guys, is he will make us timid missionaries in our own city. Ah, what will they think of you? What will they say? And, and, we, and, we, and we get scared and we back down and because he knows the life that comes to people's life. And I'm not telling you that every time you take an opportunity that it's just gonna go well. My guess is that, that the more we follow Jesus, the, the closer we get to him returning, the, the harder things are going to turn. The more people are going to reject this, laugh at us, spit in our face, just like they did Jesus. But I also know that our joy increases in those moments, that you just see that all throughout Scripture. Whenever people took serious their walk with the Lord, you see it in Stephen in Acts chapter 8. You see it in Jesus. You see it in all these people that, that were martyred for Jesus, that, that their joy increased as the persecution increased. Guys, for us to be people who, who desire these opportunities, to help people, to bless people, for us to, to not let the culture of consumerism infiltrate our thinking and our living, that we actually have something in a person that the world needs. Third thing, then we'll be done this morning. I love the, the practical instruction that Paul gives us. Verses five and six. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I want to just unpack this for a minute. I love that he says, be wise. You know, wisdom is, is learning from, it's drawing on the things that we've learned from the past. But wisdom is also relying on the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, hey, be wise when you're around people that don't know Jesus. I think it's this, this invitation. I was reading this book this week. And a good question to ask as followers of Jesus when we find ourselves around people who are not, Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now in this person's life? Holy Spirit, do you have anything that, that you want me to say? Anything that you want me to ask? Is there anything that I can ask? So many of you, you hear from God. You, 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 the, 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 the life of God, God is just waiting to flow through you. And you just have to be willing to take that step. You hear from God. Just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this moment? Do you have a question for me to ask? Do you have something for me to say? Be wise in the way you act towards outside. I love that he says act. Be wise in the way you act 
He's talking about the whole, our whole lives. I love this. He says, be wise in the way that, that, that you're conducting your life around unbelievers. Give thought to your ways. We talked about this last week, so you can go back and listen to podcasts if you're interested. But your, your life speaks what matters to you. And, and when, you are, when you're not living and consistent with Jesus around non-believers, it's confusing. It's confusing. Be wise in the way you act. I love this. Make the most. Make the most of every opportunity. This is a really interesting term in the Greek. It literally means to buy up. It's a commercial term. It's, it's, it's when you see a great deal on Amazon and you're like, bam, got it. You, you see the opportunity, you take it. And Paul, our, our older brother in the faith, I'm gonna trip over this rug. He's sitting at the end of his life in this jail and he's writing this letter and he goes, what? How do I wanna finish my letter? What do people need to hear? Hey, make the most of the opportunities that you have with outsiders. He keeps going, let your conversation be full of grace. You know, so he talks about, hey, the, the way that you act, but he also talks about the things that come out of our mouths. And I know that there's this tendency for us to be like, you know what, I'm not gonna preach a sermon with my mouth. I'm just gonna preach it with my life. And there's some real beauty to that, to, that, that your life should actually speak what you believe. But, but there's not beauty in that if, if you're doing that because you're scared to talk about Jesus. And so Paul presumes that, that when you're interacting with outsiders, it's, it's more than just them observing your life. He says, let your conversation, let the things that are coming out of your mouth. I love this. He says, okay, be full of grace. So when we're interacting with people this week and next week that, that don't know Jesus, I love what he's saying here. It's, it's not us leaving this place with a sales pitch or with a script. We're not some door-to-door -door salesman. No, what he says, let your conversation be full of grace. When you're looking them in the eyes, look at them and see that they're actually people. Value them. Look into their heart, see their hurt. How many of us, we genuinely go, man, if someone just cared about me, like if someone just cared enough to, to ask me if I was doing okay, just one person, how that helps us, how that encourages us. And Paul was going, hey, let your conversation be full of grace. When you look at someone, be filled with compassion, not condemnation. Be filled with love. Don't view them as a check on the to-do list. Someone View them as people who have value and worth. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. You know, I love that. Salt is used for a lot of things, but salt draws out the best flavors in food. And I love that. Paul goes, man, may your words bring out the best in people. I challenge you this week to let your words be like salt. Look for the good things in people. Call it out in them. Man, we are, there are, are so many opportunities. The harvest is plentiful, is what Jesus said. A couple weeks ago, Andrew and I, Andrew who did the welcome, if, if you're new here, um, we were walking around the neighborhood and uh, we, were, we were praying for the neighborhood. We were looking for opportunities to literally do this, just to, to kind of be on mission in our own city. And so we're walking around the neighborhood. I kid you not, we get out of the car. Less than a minute in, there's some guys that are sitting up here. And they're like, hey, guys. They call us over. 
And we find ourselves in these, this conversation with these two six-year-old men in the middle of the day. And they're like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, okay, here we go. Um, we're walking the neighborhood. We're just praying. We're looking for opportunities to encourage and to bless. And, and uh, they're like, man, we could use some prayer. And then for the next 30 minutes, these two guys who are just, they're just drinking lots of alcohol on the front porch. And yet you see them being convicted by the spirit of God. This guy's looking at us and he's going, man, I needed this today. He's like, I know what I need to be doing. He's like, I just, I'm just, I'm not doing it. And, and so Andrew and I are, are asking him like, man, we're like, you're so, we're, we're trying to do this. We're like, it's so clear. You're just an amazing dude. Like what, what is it that you're feeling? He's like, I know that I'm just relying on alcohol. I'm just, I'm drinking. I'm an alcoholic. And he's struggling. And we're like, man, we can help you. We want to help you. We're here for you. And, and, and he's quoting scripture after scripture. I'm like, dude, you know so much scripture and it's in his head. And I'm telling you that the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people around us who, who just need people willing to go, you know what? I'm here for more than just myself. On Tuesday night at, at, at Bus Stop Strong, you're going to have an amazing opportunity. And it's, it might, you might have an incredible conversation. But the reality is you might just meet one kid. And that might lead to a, a 10-year relationship with a kid that's going to need you in, in their life later down the road. I met a guy, I'm not going to say his name, he's part of our church family several years ago. He grew up over here. He started coming to Ethos. Got to know this guy. He's a single, um, he, he grew up in a single family home. His dad was not around. His mom was raising him. And just a, such a kind-hearted, just amazing guy. Um, he quit coming to church because he got a job on Sunday afternoon. You know, he's in high school going to school, playing football. He gets a job on high school to help pay bills for his mom. Just this amazing guy. He's like, ah, oh, miss church. Wish I could be there. Got to get this job. So I'm texting with him this week. I'm like, hey, man, miss you. And he's like, yeah, I'm at college. Dude got a college scholarship playing football up in Illinois. So proud of him. And I'm like, hey, dude, how's your mom? And he's like, he's like, dude, I forgot to tell you, my mom died back in October. And I'm like, can you imagine? And some of this might be your story. Like, single parent home, his mom's no longer in the picture. This, this freshman guy now facing the world on his own. And I just told Court, I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sad. But I'm also so glad that like, God has like, us in his life. And for us to, to go, man, can we get outside of our comfort zone? Can we make the most of the opportunities that are put in front of us? And even if it doesn't feel good, even if we're rejected, even if it's hard and uncomfortable and awkward, can, can we do those hard things for the sake of other people? Because we know a God who brings transformation. And sometimes it comes in the moment and sometimes it comes over the long haul. Can we be a people that go, you know what? We're not gonna just think about ourselves. We're gonna be here for the good of the city. And I'm telling you, God will use people like that. God will work through us. And we can't make people be open. We can't make people be receptive. Man, but we can be ready when God gives us the opportunity, man, to, to pray for someone, 
I mean, try this. It, it feels awkward for some of you, maybe because you don't do this at all, but when you go to a restaurant and you're sitting down and someone brings you your food, just say, this is a great first step. Hey, we're about to pray for our food. Is there anything in your life that we can pray for you about? Just, just try that. Take, take a step. Ask, ask God, God, would you open up opportunities? This week, I know that I'm gonna be around people that don't follow you. Open up opportunities. Open up opportunities on Tuesday night. Be praying for our time together at Bus Stop Strong. Be praying for tomorrow as you move freshmen into the dorm if you're able to help. All right, here's what I want us to do. Okay, let me throw that, that slide up real fast. Um, one of the things that I think is so important for us to do is um, to not just hear, but for us to, to digest and for us to share. And so we're gonna take a few minutes and I encourage you just with the people around you to, to gather your chairs. And you don't have to do this if, if you don't know anybody or you're you know, really trying to be safe because of COVID, totally understandable. Um, but if you feel comfortable talking to the person next to you or the people around you, I encourage you to, to really wrestle with these questions. Man, when you think about what Paul writes in Colossians 4, what is challenging in the scripture? What about that challenges you? Okay, and it's not just what's challenging. The next question is, where do you sense the Lord inviting you to take a step? All right, so we're gonna do this for the next few minutes and then I'm gonna get back up and, uh, and call us back and we're gonna take communion together, sing a couple more songs and, uh, and then we'll go to lunch. So let's take a few minutes, wrestle with these questions of the people around you and I'll get back up here in just a few minutes. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the bread and the and the juice that reminds us that your body was broken, our blood, your blood was shed for us. God, I pray that, that the realness of, of who you are would just call us deeper, call us deeper into to friendship, call us deeper into taking risk, into sharing you. God, that we would be bold, that when you look at us, you see your, your, your sons and daughters, that, that there's no, we're not ashamed, we're not uh, we're not so concerned about what people think of us because we, we love you and we want people to know you. We want more people to, to come into the saving knowledge and understanding of who you are and what you do. And so God, I pray that as we've taken this bread and this cup in, God, that you would send us out this week. You would fill us with joy and love and fire. God, thank you. If this, this morning, if there's anything that I said that was not in line with you and your heart and your desires, let it be forgiven and forgotten. Let me learn from those things. And God, if there were things that um, were said that were from you, let them bear fruit in our lives for your glory for years and years to come. We love you in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Let's worship.